Welcome back to Tay Learning. My name is Olivia. And my name is Danny, and we are your co-hosts. Today is actually genuinely exciting because we have a very special guest. And we had to push off remaining relevant. Castle's crumbling again. I'm sure that you're completely surprised, but you know what we have on is very important <laughs> i had somebody i had a friend of ours taylor send me a snapchat not taylor swift but i had a friend of ours named taylor send me a snapchat saying five dollars you push remaining relevant castles crumbling and i was like okay all right i wanted to say you're on but i know us better than that so i just didn't respond to her snapchat because i knew that something was going to come up but if there was something that was going to come up this is a good one this is worth pushing off remaining relevant okay Without further ado, our very special guest today is Brian West. He is the USA Today dedicated Taylor Swift reporter, and he's here to tell you about his time as a Swifty and what he does for his job. Sometimes we're good and we record in advance so that we can be prepared for the upcoming week. So just to set an expectation, this episode was recorded Saturday. So it was recorded in the middle of the Sydney run of shows. So just in case anything wild has happened, sorry, that's going to be next week. Maybe Remaining Relevant will get pushed again. <laughs> R.I.P. Remaining Relevant. Castle's <laughs> crumbling. Once again, not remaining very relevant, is it? No. <laughs> Nar. So before we jump into it with Brian, who we're so excited to have on the show today, you guys have no idea the treat that you're in for, getting insight into the life of a Taylor Swift reporter, and just, we've had so much fun talking to him. But we've got to do what we always do. Housekeeping. Knock, knock, knock. Housekeeping's at your door. Here to remind you to rate this podcast wherever you listen. Again, I can't force you to give us five stars, but I'd really, really like it. And if you review us on Apple Podcasts, you can and should type out a review and that might end up on our website, taylearningpodcast.com. And as always, we don't include song clips in our episodes anymore like we did in beginning seasons. However, we do have a Spotify playlist linked in our description for any songs that we may mention throughout our episode. So definitely click there to listen before, during, or after the episode. And we have our giveaway running right now. If you are listening to this prior to March 8th, that means that the giveaway is still going on. And it is the Red Kingdom Lights Shining Package that we've put together for all of you, which is this really cool combo box of local Kansas City goods and some other stuff thrown in there. So you can get a really cute hat that says the last great American dynasty, which is subtle Taylor merch, subtle Chiefs merch. We love it. And you can get a Tavis prayer candle, which is super cute. And we have an air freshener and a few stickers and some confetti from the Kansas City shows. It's just, it's all around good vibes. So be sure to head over to our Instagram to enter that giveaway. And as always, time to hear from our sponsors. We're back and we have Brian West here. He is the USA Today dedicated Taylor Swift reporter. We're so excited to have you, Brian. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Olivia. We have a lot of fun incoming today because, of course, obviously we have Brian. And Brian is, I guess, kind of technically the certified Taylor Swift expert. Like, that's your job. It's so wild to think that what becomes your hobby of talking to all your best friends, following, you know, the heiress tour, following her entire career, her wins and awards. And now 
It's so exciting to cover the sick beat. And I constantly am pinching myself thinking, oh my gosh, I'm the person that, you know, CNN or the Today Show or Good Morning America call up to offer expert opinion on is Taylor attending the Super Bowl? Is Travis Kelsey coming down to Australia? Every day is a new adventure and it is so exciting to follow this journey. I love that. And we feel that too, like doing this podcast, because this is a hobby. We love Taylor Swift. She's a passion. Yeah. She's a hobby. She's a person. And we just love her so much. And then we we podcast about it. And that's just so crazy. So you kind of have the dream job <laughs> in what you do. Literally. Like we do this as a hobby mostly, but I couldn't imagine having it be my career. I think that's amazing. And the news is so nonstop with Taylor. She is either announcing the albatross or she's bringing Sabrina Carpenter out. I mean, she can't control the weather. Maybe she can. But when the weather postpones the show and she brings her out and then they do a white horse duet, that's also a mashup. It's just, it's a constant stream of news and following. So at the same time of being excited, like, oh, this amazing duet's happening. I'm like, oh no, I have to run and get my laptop. So in that moment, I was inside the stadium trying to use my phone for Wi-Fi using the concert venue, which anyone who has gone to a concert knows is not the most reliable. Mm -hmm. So I had my laptop in a bag at a nearby coffee shop as a fail safe and left right around midnights and grabbed it and then filed a report. And so it's so constant about this job is just doing all of these different stories. And that's also what's really fun about it. Yeah. Well, we have some questions to run through with you because I know that all of our Tay listeners are really interested in your journey. So our first question, our first part is our get to know you. So tell us your Swifty journey. When did you begin to like Taylor? What's your favorite song and album? And how did you get where you are now? My journey began when I graduated high school. So back in 2006, Taylor released Tim McGraw and her country album. And even just the first line showed how incredible she is as a songwriter. So you say the way my blue eyes shine made the, put those Georgia stars to shame that night. That's just, there's so much you can unpack in that one line. And I remember what solidified it for me was her 2007 performance of You Should Have Said No, which she did last night in Australia. You should have said nar. But that's where she's wearing a black hoodie, jeans, and her dancers pull the costume apart, her outfit, and she's wearing a beautiful dress. And I just remember thinking, who is this teenager? And then following her career for two decades, I left news about six years ago. I used to be a morning news reporter for the NBC in Phoenix, and I left to focus on mental health and sobriety. And I kind of jocularly said, I'm only returning to news if I can report on Taylor every day. And then this job became available. I was at a CrossFit gym when I got text messages and thought, well, now I need to apply. That's so awesome. It's like the stars aligned. <laughs> it very much felt a little bit like a manifestation, but I just remember thinking, okay, I have to finish my workout and then this is going viral. So I have to, as soon as I get home, there was a video component. I have to put the video together. I have to edit it and send it in. So I sent it in, was one of the first that got it off and then got an email the next day that said it was enchanting to digitally meet you and you made the next round. That's awesome. We saw that you met Taylor during the reputation era. What was that like? So when I was a news reporter, I used to get relentlessly made fun of by the other anchors for being a Swifty. They would say, we're surprised Brian didn't call in sick to work today because Taylor released a new album. And that was live on air when I was covering stories. So I put together those videos, sent it to her team. 
And they sent me a VIP box, which the ones nowadays are kind of, they're a little bit thinner in their cardboard, but back during Reputation, it was a wooden box and it opened up to a screen that had a personal message and a 3D cutout of the entire stadium tour stage. And so I thought, that this is so neat. I got a VIP box to this the concert. And the morning of, a couple months later, on May 8th, 2018, I got an email that said, what's your phone number? And then I got a text message that said, Taylor wants to meet you. When can you get out here? So I drove out to the stadium. I was there a few hours early thinking almost like when you go on a date, and you're waiting for the person to text you back. Do you know that feeling? But think of it magnified. So you're looking at your phone going, this is going to happen. Also, she meets thousands of people. How do I stand out? So I went to a, a local Walgreens, printed out a headshot and signed it from your favorite local news reporter. And then got the passes, met her, and handed that off to her. That's so clever. I'm sure she loved that. Well, our anniversary is coming up. I'm sure she has it marked as well. (laughs) I'm certain. Circled on her calendar. She's ready. She's ready. (laughs) Yeah. She marks it once. She marks it (laughs) twice. Checks it twice. (laughs) Is there anything that, like, surprised you about meeting her? I know that being a fan from afar and listening to her music and having an understanding of her life as much as possible without having met her is one thing. But did you walk away from that experience feeling differently? They always say never meet your heroes. I've heard that so many times. And also working as a reporter, you meet a lot of celebrities. Mm -hmm. There were only two, I would say, that far exceeded expectations. And one was Garth Brooks. And the other was Taylor Swift. That's an amazing answer, actually. And Uh, I believe that. I've never heard an even mildly negative interaction with Taylor Swift. They've all been overwhelmingly positive. And I think that's such a testament to her as a person and not not just as an artist. When you're that big, being able to relate to people on an individual level is such a skill and such a treasure. You hear all the time with her, even most recently with the NFL, you hear it with her tipping $100, right, to everybody who is helping out to wait on the the suites. So you truly do hear from the stagehand to another celebrity, she is equally kind to everyone. The next set of questions is about your life, the day in the life of a Taylor Swift reporter through Brian's eyes. And as you know, a lot of people applied for your kind of dream role doing what you do. So what is a normal day in the life of a full-time Taylor Swift reporter? I don't know if there's a normal day, but that's what makes it exciting. So I can even just walk you through yesterday. So it was night two in Sydney. There was a lot going on at the moment, night one. We had Travis Kelsey there. He was with his buddy, Russ Travis. We had Katy Perry singing Bad Blood. We had Rita Ora also there. She decides to drop Albatross, which is a new version of an added song for the tortured poets. There is just constantly, oh, the rain canceled Sabrina's set and postponed the show. And then she came out and did a duet. So the morning of, I wake up in Australia and I'm making sure all of those stories are updated and accurate. And then what I do is I get out to the concert venue probably about four hours before doors open, take photos of all the fans that I can find really neat and clever outfits and costumes from the different eras. There's an influencer here in Australia that I touched base with. I then went to a coffee shop, filed a report about Dave's era's jacket. So that is Dave Portnoy. He's on Barstool Sports and he started back 
in East Rutherford, New Jersey, wearing this amazing jacket that has made its way to every Eras concert since. And it has so many stories about trying to get through customs in Japan to then a pilot flying it down to Melbourne to now making it to Sydney. It's going to head over to Singapore and then it'll be in Paris for the European leg. So I filed that story, took some photos, did social media. Then I'm listening to a live stream of the concert outside the venue while covering Taylor Gating, which is when you don't get a ticket, but you show up among thousands of fans. Then I run back to the cafe, file that. Then we file our secret songs story. And then I make it back to the Airbnb I'm staying. It's about a mile away. And I run because anyone who's gone to a concert knows how hectic traffic can be. So even just waiting for the bus and that would take like an hour or two hours. So it's a good thing I love running. And I'm training for a half marathon. So I just ran a little over a mile back to my Airbnb, made sure to update galleries for photos and archive all of my footage. And then we go to bed and we start the day over. But it could include things like doing podcasts or doing television interviews or maybe another story comes up. And so it's so nonstop, but in such an amazing and refreshing way. And what most people might not realize is it it really is just me showing up and carrying my backpack with my camera, a laptop and a dream. That is so insane. Uh, You know, any reporter can just write a news article on Taylor Swift, right? So how do you feel like being a truly passionate Swifty enhances that experience? I've always said I'm a journalist first and a Swifty second. So I have a decade plus worth of experience in newsrooms across the nation, won awards like a Murrow DuPont and two Emmys. And I really enjoy telling stories. I got into news because I always wanted to give a voice to the voiceless. I've always wanted to bring light to dark places. And so this allows me to do that and to follow the the tour, I would just say that the two decades of following Taylor's career allow me to look back at maybe past experiences or past events that have happened, which only enhances the reporting or the writing. So for example, I was live on Sky News and they had said a question. Usually when you do network news, they'll give you a heads up on maybe directions and questions so you can prep for it, kind of like a presentation you'd give. And she just asked a question because the rain came out of nowhere. Here I am on international television getting soaked without an umbrella. And she says, is Taylor going to cancel the show? So what I was grateful for, for following the career in the heiress tours, I said it is so incredibly rare for her to cancel a show. She would only ever do it out of safety for her dancers, safety of the audience, safety of her. So if it's rain, we're all going to get soaked. If there's threatening lightning, then maybe that'll be a reason that she might postpone or reschedule. And so, of course, it was just a little bit of rain and she went on with the show. But that's where following the career and the expertise come in to play. That's so interesting. I hadn't totally thought about that, about knowing Taylor as well as you do from a fan perspective and from a journalist perspective. You you do have that insider knowledge that makes you extra qualified for the job. But speaking of, Olivia and I get asked a lot if turning our passion into kind of a hobby, but also a job with Taylor learning makes it less pleasurable makes it feel like it's more of a job than it is a passion. So do you ever feel like this becoming a career has hindered personal passion for Taylor and her music? 
what's so neat about an artist is I think if she wasn't constantly evolving the show, changing the show, if she wasn't releasing music, I could see kind of getting to maybe a stale area if you're living in a 24-7 constant. But since there are constant changes and there's even a new album that's coming out in two months, it's still finding new ways to keep it fresh. And that's what's neat, I think, for her team and for her is that if you are making changes to the show, that it does keep it fresh like that. So the short answer is no, I'm still training for a half marathon and still listening to Fearless and Red and all of the bobs. Every once in a while, though, I might listen to another artist, but it's every once in a while. Relatable. <laughs> and I feel like with Taylor and everything surrounding her, something that makes the experience so fun, at least for us on our end, is interacting with the Swifty community. That's kind of like another fresh breath of air on the same topic. And we see that you are traveling to cover the Eras Tour, and you've met hundreds of Swifties across the world. How has this experience influenced the way that you see the Swiftie community and Taylor herself? What I'm so grateful for is that Swifties do speak the same language everywhere through friendship bracelets, through heart hand gestures, through acts of kindness. I am the only one who's traveling to different places that I've never been. So Tokyo, Melbourne, Sydney, which is a dream and I'm grateful every day, but it is also a little scary going into a place that you've never been. You're just by yourself. But it's not the case with the Swifty community. So I find influencers that are in these locations and live there, become friends with them online, and they sort of serve as the guide. So when I went to Tokyo, there's Swifty in Tokyo, Andy, super kind, ended up meeting him the night that I got there. He showed me around where Taylor shot her Endgame music video. And then that whole weekend, I would ride him with any questions. And then in Australia, there's Ashley Jade, and she is a big influencer down here. And I would ask her even, they have a lot of folklore that local Aussies will tell you. For example, there's a drop bear folklore where they'll say, there are these drop bears that look like koalas and they will drop out of the trees and they might attack you in your face. And I was like, this is terrifying. So I texted Ashley and she goes, that's a total hoax. They're just trying to mess with you, which is really good to know. But they also <laughs> help you navigate the stadiums. And so it's really neat that I can show up also to a stadium and everyone is so kind. You just introduce who you are, ask if you can take photos, talk to them. I have maybe out of 100 plus requests only had one person say no. It's probably because they don't want their photo taken, which is completely fine. But that just speaks to the entire community. They are willing to help you in any way that they can. And it has been global kindness. If you also ask Swifties, no matter where you are, what they would say to Taylor, they all have the same answer, which is just like, we love you. We relate to your vulnerable and diaristic lyrics. Thank you so much for impacting my life. That's so interesting you said that because right when you said the line of they all have the same answer, I started churning out in my brain what I would say to Taylor. And then you immediately said what I was thinking. And I'm like, oh, I am not original. That's crazy. <laughs> Wait, no, you are. I, I think it's just it's a shared passion. It's a shared passion. That's that's really it. But I can't imagine being tailored in taking that all day of your lyrics are amazing. You've changed my life. Thank you. And that's insane. It's just so special. 
It's so special. And something else that bonds Swifties is hunting for Easter eggs. And Olivia and I bluntly try not to hunt too hard because <laughs> if we're right, we've spoiled it for ourselves. And if we're wrong, we feel ridiculous. So we kind of let other people do that and we just go, ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> but, but we know you like to hunt for Easter eggs too. So do you enjoy do. it? a lot do you find it exhausting equal parts and as a follow-up did you see tortured poets coming or ts11 coming or were you on the rep tv train so i thought more so towards rep tv but it makes sense if i would have just thought of the routine so taylor's pattern is two re-releases one new project two re-releases one new project and had i just realized that that was the pattern and stuck by that specific it was the subtitles on look what you made me do that honestly made me think this could be coming and now we know why because she was originally going to announce it there but did it at the grammys which i get it's her 13th career win it makes a lot of sense to do it there. I will say my Easter eggs come more in the form of the concert schedule. So, for example, she ended the U.S. leg on a Wednesday. So that was August 9th. And I was like, that's so weird. Why is she ending the U.S. leg on a Wednesday when she's only performed Friday through Saturday, sometimes Thursday? Because it's 8-9. She's releasing 1989. So the next time I thought that was, why is she going to four cities in a very big tour schedule, but then taking two months off? And during the two months, she's releasing a new album. So I am very, very curious to see what the concert is going to look like in Paris on May 9th. So interesting. I know we were definitely theorizing, like, what? why are we doing two back-to-back long breaks? But we we don't like to think too hard about it because we get very stressed very easily. <laughs> you know the Great War? When you're trying to get tickets, imagine reporting on that. I feel the anxiety every single, like the days leading up because you're seeing all the lines, you're seeing people who are hopeful. Some are cheering and screaming like, I finally got tickets. I've been waiting months and months. And then you see others about to cry. And so I will say, I have been a witness to the Great War probably <laughs> multiple times, especially in Australia. <laughs> the, the great wars <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no i just the great I think wars there the was great... one girl who was 10 who just looked at me with these big beautiful blue eyes and said do you have a ticket please and i thought i would sell my left arm to get you into that concert because <laughs> she just was she did end up because of the community getting a ticket and going to the last night in melbourne which was so incredible and her and her mom tried all week and they finally got one so that was amazing oh i love that that's so sweet. That was going to be like my question coming off this was what's the worst part about your job? And it sounds like it's watching people struggle for tickets in every city you go to. Or bad Wi-Fi. That is when the stress kicks in of when you know an announcement or something has happened and you don't have Wi-Fi and you're like, I can maybe use my phone as a hotspot, but then you can't. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? I don't know where to run to. And so, but that is also part of the fun. I feel like if I was to ever, you know, capture this experience, it would be to talk about the invisible string that connects everybody and to talk about all the different adventures and journeys of just trying to get through while following this. So incredible. I love this community so much. (laughs) So Olivia put together a game for you before we let you go on your merry way and wade through the bad Wi-Fi of Australia and go to your next show. So Olivia, would you like to explain the game? (laughs) Absolutely. So I love doing little games, especially when we have guests on. It just makes it a little fun, right? A little bonding experience. So I sent you that Google Doc to have all the different 
albums laid out in front of you. So part one of this game, we've split the albums of Taylor into two teams. Team one, we have Debut, Red, Reputation, Folklore, and Midnights. Team two, we have 1989, Fearless, Speak Now, Evermore, and Lover. One of them is on the chopping block, gone forever. We can never listen to them again. The other one we get to keep forever. Which team are you picking? I know. She's ruthless with her no, games. I'm so conflicted. This is like two children. It's so hard because collectively as a whole, one of my favorite albums is Fearless. I also love Long Live, but my favorite song of all time is All Too Well 10-Minute Version. And then you have Reputation and Midnight. This is well-balanced, by the way, but I also love 1989. Okay, just because I feel like if we are cutting one of them in this scenario, I'm on an island, I'm going to need upbeat tunes. So 1989 is what's going to get me through. So I'll pick number two. But this is so hard. No. (laughs) Danny split them up and I was like, you're cruel. (laughs) I was thinking, I was like, we've done enough episodes on fan favorites. I know what's going to make Brian sweat. So let's do it. Listen, do not tell the internet your least favorite songs. It does not bode well. (laughs) There is a vast discography. It just, those songs don't make my top 200. That's all I'm saying. Brian, you're teasing me. What's your least favorite song? I need to know. No, I will say what doesn't make the top 200 (laughs) would be... It's nice to have a friend, stay, 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 and false god. And the reason is, I do love the lyrics of false god. I just am not the biggest saxophone okay. person. Don't come for me, okay, Sandy. Okay, I okay, already okay, had okay. everyone come for me. I know. Listen. We all have a song that's not in our top 200. <laughs> on an episode a few weeks ago, we did hate pretty heavily on It's Nice to Have a Friend, and we got we got, we got, we got dragged. <laughs> <laughs> we got dragged. They were like, why'd you come for this song? And I was like, yo. Here's how it has a new meaning is it now has served as the song that like, if there's haters or if there's a new person that I've met, I've embraced the song and just shared that on my story. So I feel like now it's had a new meaning. It's it's climbing. Yeah. It, I will say every Swifty could relate to maybe, maybe not every, you shouldn't talk in generalities, but all too well 10 minute version. And it's nice to have a friend. If you had one on the chopping block, I'm just throwing that out. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> and we say we say all the time on this podcast that like Taylor Swift's standards for music, like our standards for Taylor are different than normal standards. Like saying stay, stay, stay is not in my top 200 does not mean that I like it less than most other songs. Taylor's discography is right. still bounds and leaps above most other songs, but you have to pick favorites sometimes. You do. So, okay, we picked number two. So that was 1989, Fearless Speak Now, Evermore, and Lover. 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 Okay, so part two, we made it harder. And that's Mm -hmm. dividing it into teams of two down the board. So there's five teams of two. You can only pick one. I know, I know. The first team is Debut and Folklore. The second team is Red and Midnights. The third team is Speak Now and Lover. The fourth team is Evermore and Reputation, and the fifth team is 1989 and Fearless. So for the same reason of I'm doing the island scenario, I would pick 1989 and Fearless, even though very, very close would be Red and Midnight's, because those are also two killer albums. But then when you start getting into the intricacies, I'd be like, but then, oh my gosh, wait, no, I really like Reputation, I really like Speak Now and Lover, so... 
I'll go with 1989 Fearless. And with this job, when I got announced, I turned off my phone and I went hiking in Nashville. I just thought if this is blowing up, if it's creating a life of its own, I'm just going to turn my phone off and enjoy this moment. I was listening to Fearless and the song 15 came on and it still could make me tear up a little bit. But I was looking out over Nashville and it's a line that she says, count to 10, take it in. This is life before you know who you're going to be. And that's when I was thinking, even at 35, that really still speaks to me. We don't know what the future holds, but this is a moment I want to take and and grasp and hold on to the memories. And so I'm just grateful every day for this position. I feel like that's something that's so special about Taylor and her music is that obviously, you know, we listen to her music. We know that she writes super specific scenarios always, and we love her for that. But in those specific scenarios, there are still things to take away at different stages of your life. Like she didn't write that song for you getting this amazing position. She wrote it for that 15-year-old girl. But there are still applicable lines and takeaways from everything she writes. And I love that her music can do that for people. Well, we know we have to send you back to the drop bears and that you've got more <laughs> more outfits to take pictures of. Australians do love to play off that drop bear thing. It's not real, but I will still tell people it is. But we know we have to send you on your merry way. What's the next country? Where are you headed next? Back to America. So I head back after Sydney to Nashville. I won't be in Singapore, but I am heading to Paris in May, which I am so incredibly excited for. That's That's so awesome. Magical. So Brian, what did you learn this week? This week I learned that in Australia, they have a law when it comes to tickets that you can't resell your tickets for more than a 10% profit, which is why even though they have the biggest stadiums, it is truly sold out. And that's why fans are going crazy because a resale here is only 10% more. So you're still getting prices for $100 to $400. I looked in America if you want a ticket to Miami, New Orleans, or Indianapolis, it's $2,000 to $17,000. That makes me feel sick. That's amazing for Australia. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Olivia, what did you tailor in this week? What did I tailor? Danny, do you know what you tailored? Sure. Are you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. I tailored that it seems like that theory about all of the variants of the vinyls being like the um, stages of grief, that theory of like it going from the sepia into the dark tones. Do I know if it's intentional? No, I don't. But it's the theory floating around about how it's going from the like sepia gold tones all the way to being black and white. Who knows if that's what happens, but it's very cool to think about that being what the variants are. So I love that. Okay, okay, okay. Since, okay. So this week, not on this episode, but this week, I learned that albatross was a bird. And you told me, Danny, that they don't land for six years of their life. Let's be Isn't that clear. interesting. I didn't fact check that. I saw <laughs> a bunch of tweets about it and then repeated it to you. So let's hope I'll keep parroting it. <laughs> well, I learned it was a bird. <laughs> so funny. Wow, between the three of us, we t- learned some fun stuff this week. I always feel like there's so much to keep up on with Taylor, especially right now when we're preparing for a new album to come out. It's just too much with the tour and Tortured Poets and Tavis. That thing about the albatross, though, I did just look that up and it is true. I, I did fact check it That's while we so were on crazy. here. Yeah. It's just so crazy. <laughs> they go up and they don't nest for six years and the question, of course, that we always have is Taylor Swift, like, does she know all of this stuff or does the universe just align for her? Because either way needs to be studied. 
And it is at a lot of universities, including Harvard, which, as a reminder, we're lecturing at in like a month and a half. That's crazy. So is it strategy or coincidence? I feel like it's a little bit of both. I think so too, which leads me to like what I learned that the theory about the stages of grief, the leading up to acceptance from denial. Have you seen that? on the internet or am I just in a new I part have, of the internet? I have. I just haven't looked like too far into it, but I've seen it. I'm excited to see how real that is or if that's just us reaching like we tend to do. <laughs> anyway, what are we talking about next week? Speaking of reaching, you know, hopefully, hopefully remaining relevant. Castle's probably. <laughs> <laughs> this is the new August. This oh. is... The new August. For those of you who have listened for a while, you know that in season two, we had this thing where August just never had her moment. I mean, she she eventually had her moment, but there was like months that went by without Folklore Love Triangle Part 3 August happening, and y'all, rightfully so, bullied us for it. Like, oh, where's August? Oh, shocker. And every episode, we're like, next week, August, breakdown. And then we would come in and be like, this isn't August, I'm sorry. We can't confirm. Like We're like, yeah, that's the plan for next week. But because she keeps doing things, the plan can get tossed out the window at any given time. And that's great, but also sucks. But in season one, she wasn't doing much overall. So yeah. we didn't really have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. It's a crazy time we're living in. <laughs> sure is. Let's bring Brian back around to talk about social media. Brian, where can our Tay listeners find you online? My handle is at Brian West TV. When I graduated college, that was my media brand, but it has a different meaning now, as everyone knows with TV. So you can follow me on X or Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Excellent, excellent. Tay listeners, be sure to go check out Brian on all of the social media. And again, we follow Brian, so we might be a little bit biased, but I promise that the content is excellent. So go check out Brian West TV on all the social media. And as always, you know where to find us on TikTok and on Instagram. We are at Tay Learning Podcast. You can shoot us an email, taylearningpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter, X, what have you, I don't know, at Tay Learning. So for this week, my name is Danny. And I'm Olivia. And I'm Brian. Bye. See you next Bye. week. Bye. <laughs>I feel like for Vice, I was waiting for like, bye. And then we all just pick like a different note. Bye. <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs> bye. That's like stitch perfect. When Rebel's like, oh. Uh. Oh. <laughs>